We're the Nada Grande Boys. I'm Rodney Wood. And I'm Kyle Jackson. Welcome to the Nada Grande Outdoors podcast where we hunt it forward. Three, two, one, do it. (laughs) You counted down for nothing. I already did it. (laughs) No, I saw you. Um, Welcome back. To the Not Grande Outdoors podcast, where everything is chill. <laughs> At least that's that's the intention for this podcast. <laughs> yeah, we we missed last we missed last week, but we um, I'll be completely honest. My brain hurts after the legislative session oh, that know, just dude. went on. It was it was a tough tough session. Um, you know, all the fighting of the uh, 312, 419, 32, and many others. Um, it was it was a tough session, and we lost a big one, um, 32. Yeah. Which, that fight isn't over yet, and it's we're not, not going to get into that. But, but, yeah, it was it was a very stressful time. Yeah. Glad it's over. Until uh, special session starts here. <laughs> well, I think special <laughs> session is only um, only addressing one issue, right? And so, thankfully, although yeah, I wouldn't put it past anybody at this point in time to try right? and throw something else. Listen, in there. the way they the, well, the way they work these things and they stack stuff in these bills, it wouldn't surprise me to see them shoving some um, anti-hunting regulations there, right in there with the potheads. That yeah. would be. Pretty pretty quick. Yep. You never know. <laughs> Maybe that's why they didn't pass it yet. Maybe we so. can we can lump this four nineteen in with this pot we, bill and then <laughs> get it to pass. And then get it to pass. <laughs> so let's not pass it just yet. All right. Yeah. So <laughs> let's throw that out the window. We're staying light and fluffy today. I thought that was pretty light and fluffy. <laughs> it was funny. It's um, funny it, other than the fact that it's completely possible, so right. it's not very funny. <laughs> right? Um, no, you're right. We, we're wanting to keep it a little lighter. Um, it's a very trying time for hunting outdoor enthusiasts right now. Waiting on the draw results. Yeah. Um, can't go turkey hunting quite yet. Uh, th- don't get me wrong. There's stuff to do out there in the woods. Shed hunting is is huge right now. Everybody's posting pictures of their sheds on the social media, um, the stuff crazy. like that. But it is it is a trying time because everybody's waiting on the results, waiting for turkey season to start, um, stuff like that. So it's it's a tough time to be a hunter. Yeah. Um, refuel, recharge, all of that. Um, but you know, we talked about the session earlier. So one of the things that that popped up a lot. Well, I hate social media. I hate it. I, I mean, it, pretty much the I'm, way we do Nada Grande Outdoors is through social media, right? Yeah. That's that's where you're going to be, um, and that's where all the battles are fought, unfortunately. But what I hate about it is you can't you can't share everything, all of your thoughts and feelings in the short amount of 
typing that you can do on a post, right? Yeah, well, yeah. And I mean, I mean, you can make a long post, but nobody you, reads those. Yeah, you can. But everything is quick. It's reactionary. It's quick. It's small. It's to the point. Um, and you get zero context. Yeah. And one of the things that I saw pretty regularly on social media is, and not just directed towards us, but in comments to other people mostly, um, is assumptions. You know, somebody saying, well, you must be a guide if you support this, or you must be an anti-hunter if you support this, or, you know, um, and we don't know those things. We, we don't, we don't know. Yeah. We don't know their feelings. We don't know their story. We don't know where they're coming from. Um, and it's very hard. So I thought for today, what we'd start with is, you know, we did this way back when in like episode one, <laughs> season <laughs> one, episode one, right? Um, and the first podcast that we did about Hunt It Forward, well, you know, and and yeah, I mean, you can get a sense of who we are and what we believe and what we stand for throughout listening to all the seasons. But I think now here in the beginning stages of season four, season four, right? Season four. Yeah. Um, is a good time to take a step back and talk about not a ground outdoors, what we are and hunt it forward and what it is. Yeah. Um, so, and a little bit of our beliefs, you know, as far as the things that we stand for. Um, so, so our listeners and the people out there will know where we come from. Um, and what I'll talk, I'll start with is a lot of comments um, and messages to us or me directly about how I must be an outfitter or how I must own private land or something like that. You're a private land tycoon. Private land tycoon. Yeah, that's what you yeah. are. Yeah. And, and I, so I get a lot of that. Man. And, um, boy, I wish. <laughs> and I'm not going to blow smoke up anybody's tailpipe and say that if I did own land, I mean, if I owned land, if I owned lots and lots of land worth lots and lots of American dollars and had the opportunity to sell lots of elk tags, guess what? I'm going to sell them for premium dollars, Yeah. especially if I can get it Yeah. because welcome to America and our capital capitalist economy. And that's what I believe in. So, um, if I had land, I, I would probably do that. I'm not going to say it. I wouldn't do that. I would, I would let people hunt my land and I would share my, I'm not probably not going to happen. I don't know. I don't know of anybody who, if they had, the land that they are reviling against right that wouldn't take advantage of it like everybody else does no because fact of the matter if you own that land you, you don't really own that land it, people say we own this land or private land owners but let's 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 get one fact straight the state owns that land we're leasing it for our taxes Just don't pay your taxes and see how long you own that land <laughs> so and the more land you have, the more taxes are, all right? The more value that that land has, the higher the taxes are. So you have to make money f- with your land. You have to. Yeah. It's, that's, that's not even a question. Uh, I- unless you're rich, 
and don't need it to make money, and then you just do what you want. Yeah, well, I um, mean, and what most people do is most people's land doesn't make them money. They have a job to pay for yes. what they need to to own that land. Mm-hmm. Uh, we could get into a whole different deal with, well, with taxes and all that the, stuff. But, yeah. but the fact is, the fact is, I, I had this, I had this issue come up all the time uh, when I was an officer with with gaming fish. You get people trespassing to shed hunt or whatever the purpose, right? And they would say, "Well, they've got all this land. What do they need it for?" And I would, I would. Almost always come back with it and say, "Well, do you have? Do you own a house?" Well, yeah. Uh, a lot. Of, most of the time, they would. It's like, "Well, how would you like if I came into your backyard and yeah. took something off of, out of your backyard?" Yeah. It's not it, the same. It's not the same. It's yeah, absolutely it the same. It's absolutely the same. Um, it's just a larger backyard. Yeah. And and so I think the point that I'm trying to make here, though, is I'm not I'm not a landowner. I don't. I mean, I own some land. You are. There's, I'm not. There's. I'm, yeah. You. I you actually own, own land. I, I own, actually don't. I own three acres of land with zero wildlife on it. Yeah. It's got a house, a shop, uh, and that's it. There's, there's no wildlife on my land. Some, some rabbits and some squirrels, or not squirrels, uh, quail occasionally. But there's no deer, elk, any kind of big game you're, on my you're, property. You're not getting any no. benefit from I'm not. I'm not surrounded by forest, BLM, none of that. It's completely surrounded by private. It's, you know, it's a, in a subdivision type area, you know, uh, more of a ranch subdivision than just a um, rural subdivision. But yeah, um, yeah, I'm not a landowner. I've never been a guide and I've never been an outfitter ever my whole life. Yep. Um, The only guiding that I have ever done is not even technically guiding. It's teaching. And that's through the hunt it forward program. Yeah. That's it. I'm a straight up public land hunter. Have I hunted private land? Absolutely. Anytime somebody allows me uh, the opportunity to trespass on their land and hunt, I have. Have I ever paid to do it? No. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Um, so, and, and this isn't necessarily about me. It's about everything. It's about everybody. Uh, we can't assume just because somebody believes in something that that's what they are. We can't assume that somebody defends the outfitter pool that they're an outfitter or know an outfitter. I don't even know that many outfitters. I know, I know a few, a few, uh, they're acquaintances. They're not friends. I don't have any close friends that are outfitters or guides for that matter. Yeah. So my beliefs are simple. And I think that we've stated this plenty of times. We believe that the public land, private land, the wildlife, the hunters, the anti-hunters, all of us are an ecosystem, okay? Even even the anti-hunters, they have their place because they do keep hunting in check to some degree, right? And you don't want to just go completely nuts because that's how we lost all the game animals in the first place, right? Yeah, well, I think, I think you need to think of it like... Um... If you if you surround yourself and and only talk to those who think the way that you do, you get stuck in a thought process. Yes. You, you get stuck in an echo chamber, and that's not good for uh, for anybody. It's not good for um, the left, the right, the up, the down. It, it doesn't matter who you yeah. are or 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 what you're doing or what your passions or intents or anything like that is. If you're 
if you're only surrounding yourself and only, and it's not just surrounding yourself, if you're only surrounding yourself and, uh, and only willing to talk to people who think like you, you're ignorant. Yeah. Because you have no counterbalance you're to, you're not growing, you're not progressing. You, the times that you grow and that you progress as a human being, as a person, mm-hmm. um, let's go big and then say, as a hunter, um, those are the times that you're challenged, that your beliefs are challenged, that you have to look at what do I believe and why do I believe it? Mm-hmm. Um, and that is what you're talking about with this ecosystem. They do have a place, uh, and you get anything out of balance and it's not a good thing. Yeah. And that, exactly it. And that's so, so yeah, I, the fact that we support it, and of course we said this too, and this was funny. We we never really supported or opposed the outfitter pool. No. To us, we really didn't have a dog in that fight. To us, it was not about the outfitter pool it at was, all. It was everything else in that building. Yeah. When, and not everything, because I'm, I'm, I, I support the part about, and this is what pisses me off, and here we go, no matter how hard you try. I support the part about bringing all the edible parts out. I support that. Okay, so, but here's the here's the thing, I I do too, mm-hmm. but that didn't need to be addressed in the bill because you no. sh- you could that could be could have been changed in regulation in the bear the javelina and the cougar statute that could have been changed to make it illegal to leave those parts in the mm-hmm. field. What I had a problem with was making it a felony. Yes. Yep, absolutely. So, which we've had that discussion. We've had that discussion. We've had that discussion, and um, and that cracks me up. That's part of evolution, right there. That's yeah. part of evolving as a thinker. Because me and you had conversations about it being a felony to leave an elk out there, and how I hate I hate anybody that would shoot an elk, cut its head off, and leave the leave the animal out there. Right? Hate it. But I also hate the thought of somebody losing their rights to protect themselves. Um, losing their second amendment rights because now they're a felon. Yeah. And so we had that argument and you as a, a, a past game warden, you wanted that because it helps you put a stop to that. It helps you get convictions and stuff like that. Um, and so that's two different viewpoints mm-hmm. and those are good viewpoints. And it was a great conversation that me and you had about that yeah. um, topic. And, but then here you are, I don't want that to be a felony for this to happen. And I agree, I, you know, um, but I want them to take it out of the field. Um, but it's, it's, it's such an interesting dynamic. Anyway, we, we, you know, we fought through all that and we have a, a, a right and wrong belief. You know, we believe that private property owners have rights and we also believe that they bring a lot to the table. Yes. So that's what it's about. It's not because we're private landowners, not because we're outfitters or we're guides. It's we believe they are bringing a lot to the table. They are providing great habitat. Yeah. That's our belief. So that's where we come from on that angle. That's where, that's where we stand on that issue. There's others that believe that they're killing our animals and they shouldn't be doing it for a monetary gain. Right. And I get that argument, but we gain so much from that. And private landowners have done so much throughout the history of bringing hunting back to America, not just New Mexico. Um, 
that they're a part of that ecosystem. They're a part of it. And I don't care what Arizona does, Montana or Wyoming or Texas. We're New Mexico. Yeah. And that's where I want to focus. Um, but anyway, not a ground day outdoors. What we, what we preach is educate yourself. Um, and that is an ongoing process. That's not something that you're going to go read a book and tomorrow you're educated. Yeah. Uh, we have changed our viewpoints throughout this podcast from, from day one of the podcast to now we have grown so much in knowledge and we have changed our viewpoints, um, our ideas about hunting and how it relates to private land and our ideas about our ideas about, um, nonprofit organizations that supposedly speak for the people. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of <laughs> light and fluffy, right? I'm, there's I'm a lot of no, good change, you know, but that's what we, pro- that's what we talk about. So we have our opinions and our beliefs and we put that out there. And I think, uh, what, you know, what you're touching on there is, is pretty much paramount to us is, we're not asking you to take our word for it. We're not asking you to agree with us. Nope. What we're asking you to do is educate yourself and don't let someone else speak for you. Exactly. That's what we advocate. Um, we started this podcast uh, as as a as a means, or actually at, with the intent of um, putting out good factual information because traditionally the hunting world has been very closed off. It's starting mm-hmm. to open up. You're starting to see changes. You absolutely uh, are. Social media, you're starting to see people ask questions and not get snide responses. You're yeah. starting to see people say, DM me, I'll tell you, I'll show you this, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. So it has opened up. Um, so much from what we so started. So much from when we started. Three years ago. Yeah. yeah. Um, but that's what we started with the intent to do yeah. was to make the hunting world more accessible and at least... <laughs> to the best of our ability, put out good factual information. And we have done that. Uh, I, I will stand by what we've done. Absolutely. We've, we've done that uh, time and again, and we've been ridiculed for it. We've been put down for it. Um, particularly this year, we've received a lot of pushback from some of these uh, organizations mm-hmm. that don't like what we're saying. Mm-hmm. But it's not going to stop us. No, because absolutely not. we are still with that in that mindset of put out. And this is my firm belief. You put out good factual information. And for the most part, people are going to take that information and make good decisions with it. Yeah. What, and what they, and what we're hoping that they do is they take that little bit of information that we give them in an hour long podcast. Yeah. And then they go research it themselves and they find out how it affects them. And form their own opinion based on their experience. Exactly. Exactly. And that's what we like to see. That's what we are trying to do here. Um, I, I, great example of that. You know, we can we come back to the assumptions that, that you're a guide, you're an outfitter. If you support the outfitter pool, <clears throat> we, we neither went one way or the other with the outfitter pool. I have a good friend who, um, is the executive director of the council outfitters and guides mm-hmm. for New Mexico. Carrie Romero. Um, if it came da- if it came down to it, I, I don't know what I would say, but but um, 
regarding the outfitter pool, <clears throat> I don't think you and I have made our minds up about it. And so if it, you know, if a bill came around, let's say next year, that was just strictly looked at the outfitter pool, our viewpoint from three years ago, mm-hmm probably is no longer relevant because we have more information. Mm-hmm. We have, we realize that there's more that goes into it than just the outfitter pool. Um, we would have to do our research on what, you know, outside of just the, the outfitter pool, what are the economics of it? Mm-hmm. What are the benefits? What are the, what are the pros? What are the cons? And then we would form our opinion from there. Mm-hmm. And that's all that we're asking you to do is take these things, take the information, go home, research it, and form your own opinion. Yeah. And and one of the things that, you know, like like you said, we didn't really – I mean, we, we do kind of have a dog in the fight, kind of a little on each side. You know, if you want to get into the outfitter pool just a little bit, um, I'd have to find out what is the purpose of having the outfitter pool. What was the purpose of when it was put into place? Yeah. And that's what a lot of people don't really look at. Yeah. Um, they don't, they don't look at why was it, why was it actually put into yeah. place? Yeah. Um, and so was it, was it addressing, um, a need? Was it addressing an issue and is that issue still prevalent and is it still needed? I mean, that's yeah. all the research. It, it's exhausting. I'll tell you that. Oh, yeah. With all the research that we did this year. And, and we did a ton on the outfitter pool. Yeah. A ton on the outfitter pool. You know, the, the economic, um, you know, what I, hate, what I hate is unintended consequences. Yeah. Unintended, unintended consequences seems to bite us in the butt a lot. Um, and Well, it's a, it's, a common, it's a common theme and a common problem with legislation. All kinds and, of legislation. And I'll tell you that. Yeah. I'll tell you why. Is because, for the most part, legislation is brought forth to um, fix a perceived issue mm-hmm. on one side or the other. Oftentimes, it's a very one-sided view. Mm-hmm. And so, you don't look at... I have seen very little... Legis- and that's what the legislative process is supposed to do, is get this bipartisan view and be able to bring out those issues. I understand that, but I have rarely seen good, well-written legislation that has taken all viewpoints into account Mm -hmm. and come up with a good solution that is uh, generally agreed upon by both sides. Yeah. Most of the time it's, we're going to push this. They're going to fight back. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, and that's what happens. And in, in, like in the case of SB 32, it's California conservation. It's a, it's a feel good thing. It's, it's put out there because, well, I mean, it, our beliefs is it's death by a thousand cuts. They're chipping away at hunting piece by piece. Um, but when it comes to things like SB 32, you know, it's not that, that bill doesn't look at trapping as a whole. It doesn't look at trapping as a tool or anything well, like that, that. And it that doesn't look at was, anything scientifically. Yes, it was, All, it was what it's doing, solely built on emotion. It's solely built on emotion. Exactly. 100% emotion because somebody took their pet out there and got their pet caught in a trap and now they don't feel safe. 
and and they didn't try i mean well they did i mean the the they changed trapping the department changed trapping a lot and they didn't even give it time to work no uh, they didn't even give it time to to look and see what the consequences were or to look and see what the outcome is and if there's more that needs to be done or less to be done they didn't get let let anything happen they just the next year they went right back after it um and they got it yeah, and you know there's still some fight to be left, left to be had. But but yeah, that's 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 the way that is, and we don't like that. No, uh, we want stuff to be done by science, uh, as the North American model of wildlife conservation <laughs> requires. <laughs> Light and fluffy, Kyle. Light, Light and fluffy. fluffy. Um, <laughs> But yeah, I mean, it goes right back to that. That all we want is people to go out there and study it, you know, look into it, uh, find out about the outfitter pool. Don't make decisions based on how likely you are to draw a tag, because that's what they're selling. Yeah, you know, look past what they're selling. You know, find out where it's made. Buy American. you know, and, and see why they're after it, you know, and, and go into it and see how it affects you. And if it affects you in a way, if you, I mean, I mean if you look into it and figure out that you don't like the outfitter pool and don't support it, yep. uh, like you said, I don't think me and you either one have a decision made on that. No, um, that's just, an, just a off kind of off the, off the cuff example, but, um, Yeah. Hey, we, you, you and I could probably go through a, a litany of of issues that we don't have a stance on one way or the other because we doesn't affect us. Doesn't affect us, or we haven't looked into it enough right. to build a credible, well thought out rationale exactly. for the opinion that exactly. we have. Exactly. Those opinions that we do put out, we put out with thought and with research. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah. Uh, so, so that's where we are when we, when we talk about issues, a lot of it is our personal opinion. Our personal opinions are generally based on facts, um, and have a lot more to do with just us wanting to hunt or be outfitters or guide or anything like that. Um, next is hunt it forward. Uh, hunt it forward is nothing new we didn't create it invent it or anything like that it's well, a we created hunted forward the thought behind it the thought was about, not yeah ours. <laughs> the, yeah uh, we call ours hunt it forward yes you know it's it's really it's not much different than r3 or mentor well, it was spawned out of out of the yeah. r3 movement yeah yeah um but it's our way of giving back to hunting it's what we can do yep uh and so what hunt it forward is, it's, it's pay it forward in the hunting world. It's exactly what it is. And every year we pick a couple of people. Uh, everybody that we've taken has been a complete stranger. And we take them hunting. Um, and we do a lot more than that. We, we take them out uh, shooting and give them some safety tips. You're a shooting instructor. Mm-hmm. And um, so we do that. We we help them out with uh, choosing 
the firearm that they're going to hunt with. Uh, we help them out with kind we basic, of. We basically mentor them the way yeah. that the way that we were mentored. Um, you know, growing up, you, you, it's in a much shorter time period. You, mm-hmm. we, we do it in about a year, so we we pick up. And this year, we're um, we're going to be selecting participants for yes. for this year. Uh, but we pick them up in the in the springtime and work with them throughout the summer, and then uh, you know build their confidence and give them the opportunity. Uh, and and this is one of the reasons that we're proponents of private land mm-hmm. is because um, our private land system in New Mexico allows us the opportunity to, to bring new people into hunting. Mm-hmm. Immediately, mm-hmm. this year, what's, not have to draw. What's one of the biggest complaints every single year? Can't draw a tag. Can't draw a tag. So how are new hunters going to get into hunting when they have to spend year after year after year trying to draw a tag? Yep. Um, so a great way, exactly like you're saying, a great way to get them into it, get them into it right now without having to wait, is private land. Yep. And a cool thing about private land is there's so many private landowners out there willing to donate things like doe antelope tags cow elk tags mm-hmm. um, even come on my property and hunt barbary sheep yep or come on my property and hunt deer there's a ton of them out there okay if, if you can't find somebody to let them let you hunt on their property you're not looking hard enough yeah because there is a ton of people out there i've hunted on plenty of people's property that i met by asking them if i can hunt their property plain and simple mm-hmm. um and and so they provide that opportunity for people to hunt. And it's extremely hard for a person that's never hunted to go to a private landowner and be like, hey, can I hunt your property? Because yeah. they have no idea. They don't have any idea. Um, and so we help facilitate that. And um, we've had great success doing it. Uh, our we're, we're 100% with Hunt It Forward. Uh, every everyone that we've taken hunting through hunt it forward and in our draws um, have been successful and uh, and the people that were the the participants that we're targeting are are not hunters they no. we we target uh ages twenty one to forty forty five we don't really have a top end we haven't decided on yet yeah. but basically we're looking for people. When we looked at the R3 program, the the recruitment, retention, and reactivation um, p- movement that was happening, uh, I saw a huge gap in recruitment within the adult uh, the adult ages. We do a great job trying to recruit kids. Mm-hmm. Um, hunter education is a great tool, but for the most part, the kids who are going to hunter education, they're already interested in hunting. Yeah. Um, they have camps and they have some some different programs that they're trying to get into schools, you know, conservation programs that they're trying to get into mm-hmm. schools to reach non-hunting kids. But for the most part, when you look at that, and we absolutely support hunter education. We absolutely, I'm a hunter education uh, instructor. Mm-hmm. We absolutely support absolutely support mentored youth programs mm-hmm. um you know hunter education camps all of that stuff we support and we think it's a great thing to do but we felt that our our efforts rodney rodney and i's efforts in that realm were pretty much falling on on deaf ears because when you look at youth the youth do not own their time Mm-mm. um 
for the most part, uh, there and there's been studies that have shown this. Studies that have shown that kids that go to a youth hunter education camp, they're excited about it, but usually they actually don't get into hunting. Uh-huh. They don't own their time. They don't have a disposable income, and unless they have someone to mentor them over a period of time, they're probably not going to stay in hunting. Uh-huh. And so we identified that. We identified that there's lots of programs out there for veterans mm-hmm. also great things absolutely. really really great things absolutely first responders good things we support all of those what we felt that we could do again um well, a lot of it boils down to that right there what we felt we could do that's it uh what we felt that we could do was try and focus on these this adult age group of people who are not already in this hunting world Mm -hmm. Um, we wanted to get a new dynamic of hunter out there and so we were focusing on uh, people who uh, traditionally wouldn't uh, be exposed to hunting Mm -hmm. and by doing that we find you know we we figured that if we could get them into hunting they're an adult they own their time they can put as much or little, as little time into it as yep. they want. They have a disposable income. Yeah. How much they decide to put into that is up to them. Yep. Um, of our four participants, we had uh, one who really actually put a lot of time and energy and effort and money into getting into hunting, um, buying rifles, doing yep. things like that. We had a couple of others who beg, borrow, and steal. Mm-hmm. And we had one who really kind of borrowed everything and and um i think she's still kind of in that she's she's gained some gear as far as outdoor gear that can be dual purpose because she also likes hunting or you know hiking and and outdoor stuff outdoor stuff so we've had we've had that gamut yep we've had people who really put the time into it and put the money into it and we've had people who have put some time and effort into it but they've all been fantastic participants because that's what we were looking for yeah um, when it came to it, they were attentive. They were uh, extremely excited about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and really, that's all we can ask for. Yep. And so we focused on that age group with Hunt It For because that's what we felt would bring a new dynamic to hunting. That was what we felt would fit in with our kind of philosophy with this podcast and, yep. and putting good information out there. And... Um, we evolved the program after two years. Mm-hmm. Originally, we were going to take on uh, two participants, one every year. per each of us every year. But after our after our first set of participants, and then our second set of participants, about midway through having our second participants in, we realized that we needed to spend more time on the back end. Yes. Um, so the program is basically set up. Yep. I don't know if you want me to stop or what. No, I'm rolling no, on it. That, yeah, keep going. So the, the program is basically set up where we, again, that first year, we take them, teach them basics, teach them firearms basics, teach them hunting um, strategy basics, and then we take them out and thank goodness for private land because we take them out. And we want to get that hook in them. Yep. We want them to get a, get a chance to, at least an opportunity to kill an animal. And that that was key to the program. Um, and And it really was kind of a brainchild between the two of us because we had these private land 
connections and we're like, okay, we could either use them for ourselves mm-hmm. or we could use them for something else. Yep. We could pay it forward. And so that was the hook. If we can get them to, to get an opportunity to an animal the very first year, now we've got some buy-in. Yeah. And so, and, and with that, we, 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 we run the whole process, right? Yeah. So, and it's so tough in a year. Um, but we've had such great candidates. I mean, every one of our candidates have just been sponges and just soaking it up. And um, we do the shooting, we do shot placement, we do, you know, almost like kind of like a hunter safety, mm-hmm. just not. Not as most, most everything we're doing is out in the field and um, we take them hunting, we help them with gear, uh, we teach them about stalking, we teach them. You know, and most of it they do themselves. I mean, that's why this is where I go back to say we're, we're not guides because we're not doing it for them. They're doing it. Yes. We're just there looking over their shoulder, you know, helping them out along the way. Um, they shoot their animal, they cut their animal, they skin their animal, they quarter their animal. They do it all themselves with <clears throat> us there to guide them. Yeah. And it, it's been great. It, it's been one of the most satisfying things that I have ever done. It's so rewarding. Um, but like, you're, you're right. We, we go through the whole process and then we take it a step further. So generally that's, then generally that's, yeah, we cook it and eat it. But generally that's kind of where, where the mentorship stops is okay. Yeah. Go for it. Mm -hmm. We, we knew that these private land opportunities were not going to be guaranteed for those people moving forward. So our next step was, Okay, we're going to teach them about the proclamation, how mm-hmm. to read it, how to use it. We're going to teach them how to put in for a public land draw. Yep. And then if they draw, which both of ours, have, both sets have been successful thus far, but if they draw, then this is where it morphed. Yeah. We so decided the- we would go ahead and go with them on that public land hunt to reinforce those skills that we've already taught them. Yeah, exactly. And, and be there for the difference because one Complete thing, different. one, one fact that you, you can't avoid is hunting on private land and hunting on public land is two different things. Yep. Um, it's one of the reasons that, that a lot of people, um, have animosity towards private land, uh, because we work so hard on public land. Uh, it, it is really, it takes, it takes effort to be successful. Um, Ours, my success, I, I mean, I've been hunting my whole life and you, you know, got into it more, uh, when we started hunting together, yep. but my success has shot through the roof over this past four years because of the amount of effort we put into hunting through the podcast. Yeah. Right. And so, um, that's a lot of, I can see how that would create a lot of animosity from public land hunters to see these private land hunters and all the success they have. But man, it's so different. It's so different. Because you can still have the success on the public land. You just have to put in a ton more effort. When you're hunting on private land, uh, one of the key factors is pressure. Mm-hmm. There is no Exclusivity. Yeah, you're out there by yourself. Generally, there's nobody else in your way. The animals think they're safe. Because they're not getting harassed. So they're not as flighty. Um, is that a word? <laughs> I think you used it just fine. Yeah. Um, so there's a huge difference. And that's another thing that we recognized, you know, when we, 
we need to follow up with that second year because it's so different hunting on public land well, as like, opposed to the private and land. And like you said, they're, they're, you would be surprised. They're a sponge. They recognize that. Um, mm-hmm. our, our last participants almost immediately recognized, oh, my gosh, there's so many more people out here. Mm-hmm. And so it creates this great opportunity to discuss the differences between private land hunting and public land hunting Mm -hmm. and why both of them are important Mm -hmm. and how both of them play into the, the management of wildlife in a state, Mm -hmm. Uh, particularly New Mexico. Uh, You know, you talked about people comparing us to Arizona, people comparing us to Montana, people comparing us to Colorado. New Mexico is just, say unique in the fact that it's about 50% private land, 50% public land. Mm -hmm. Um, Arizona is different. It, you know, the, the, the geography is different. Uh, it's similar to New Mexico, but it's different. The land ownership is different. The way that they do things is different. And so it's so hard to compare those two. But when we look at New Mexico, when we look at the, some of the systems that they have in place, um, to basically reward private landowners for providing crucial habitat mm-hmm. for for wildlife, it creates these opportunities and has created a perfect opportunity for Hunt It Forward to thrive. Yes. I don't think Hunt It Forward would thrive in Arizona or in Montana where you have to draw. I mean, I think we could probably work around it in, in looking at well, um, over-the-counter tags. Yeah. But again, something that New Mexico are, doesn't have. Something that New Mexico doesn't have. So we built our our Hunt It Forward program around the advantages that we have in New Mexico, um, and I think that's you know we get back to people see us as defending private lands. Well, yeah, because we have a vested interest in it because it helps us get more people into hunting. Yeah, and you're you're right about that. Um, I'll, I'll kind of piggyback on that. I mean that that's not the only reason that we. Um, Support private land? No. Um, because I mean, it, you're right. We absolutely have a, a vested interest in that um, because the, the different private landowners that have allowed us to take our different participants in the Hunt at Ford program to hunt um, greatly benefits us. But it only benefits us in taking people hunting. Doesn't benefit us, yeah, benefit we're, us monetarily because we're, we're not doing getting this. any money. We're not getting any money. We're not charging for this. This is free. Um, but also that habitat and sanctuary for the wildlife is one of the biggest reasons that we support private land Yeah, because they need it. Our wildlife need it. We recognize that the public land that we have is not enough to support a herd that will support the number of hunters that we currently have. Yeah. If we take that private land out of the system, then the current herd will drop. And we cannot support the current number of hunters. So that's another reason. But it we do greatly appreciate the fact that we can use it for Hunt It Forward. Um, and it's helped us get through that and provide for them. And it's been a, such a fun program. Um, and I'm very anxious to get started this year. Yeah. Uh, we've got to find a couple more participants. Yep. Say something. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, just a last point on, on Hunt It Forward and, and, and the reason, 
you know, advocating again, make up your mind, your own mind, do your own research. But the reason, one of the reasons we support the private land, um, we, we could find, you know, workarounds in other States. You, you look at Colorado, there's over the counter elk tags. Mm-hmm. But from what I, from what I understand, I have not gone on one of those hunts, but from what I understand there, those over the counter hunts are, tar- are hard. Yes, yeah. on public land and the private land is a lot. And so, again, a, a component of our hunt forward strategy is let's get them an opportunity to an animal and get them hooked. Mm-hmm. Anyways, so that's kind of the last little bit I can say on that. Yes, we're looking for a couple of participants for this year. Yep. Uh, looking forward to it. The time is slipping away faster than I, know, I right? thought it was going to. It's we, March. we need to make those end of March. Yeah. We need to make those, those selections and, and get working. Yep. Yeah. So, um, any listeners out there, if you know somebody or know somebody that knows somebody that is wanting to get hunt to go hunting, if, if there's somebody at work that's shown an interest in your hunting life, um, find them and send them away. Yep. Uh, cause this year we'll be taking on two new participants. Um, there's a few small requirements. Um, they have to fit the R3 model basically, uh, have never hunted before or have not hunted in a long time. Yeah. 10 um, plus years. Yeah. So that's, that's kind of where we are because that's what we we're trying to get is new hunters. One of the biggest problems in hunting is, that hunting numbers are dropping um, across the nation, across the nation in New Mexico. Not so much. Yeah. Uh, New, um, Me- New Mexico's doing something right. Right. <laughs> right. Uh, opportunity. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Oh, wow. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, like I said, if you know somebody, you know, somebody that knows somebody, um, that friend at work that keeps asking, uh, I know it's hard we've dedicated ourselves and our time to do this. It's hard for just the regular, uh, we are just regular Joes. Um, anybody can do this. Anybody can do this. Anybody that's been hunting and and has a little bit of knowledge can do this. And we'd like to see everybody doing it. And you're starting to see um, more of it. I'm, you are. Yeah. I mean, you absolutely that's fantastic. Are. Uh, but if you don't have time, send them to us. That's, mm-hmm. that's what I'm trying to get at. Send them our way. We're going to take two new people this year. Uh, they'll get to go on an antelope hunt, um, a doe antelope hunt. They'll get to keep the meat. The only thing that they've got to do is spend the time and purchase the license. Yep. Um, and we'll we'll take them shooting, uh, teach them a little bit, give them a great experience, and uh, then help them the following year with the proclamation and drawing attack. Uh, so looking forward to our third season, our, we, we said it the first year that it would be extremely hard for our second group to live up to our first group because the first group, um, Emily and Adrian, were just fantastic. Yeah. Uh, I think that we were probably every bit as emotional as they were when they killed their antelope. Mm-hmm. Um, but then year two came around and we had Ryan and Shay and they were every bit Adrian and Emily. Uh, it, it was so much fun. And the same thing, we, it was just so much emotion watching them harvest their animals. Um, and then we got to do it again with the public land hunt, uh, yeah. with the follow-up that we, 
instituted on the second round. So I'm looking forward to the third group, and I'm not going to say that uh, they won't live up to the first two because I'm sure they will. I'm sure they will too. Uh, so every 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 group is a uh, a new opportunity and a new experience, yeah. and yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to it. Um, I'll I'll say we've, we've been spoiled thus far. Hopefully, we continue to get spoiled. I can't we, imagine. I not. can't imagine not. Can't imagine great not. people. Um, age wise, like we said earlier, 21. That's kind of a got to be 21 or over. You never know. There might be a shot of whiskey in there or something. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, 21 to 40, 45. 15 we really don't have a top end but um that's it yep they, they don't have to be a resident you know if they're a non-resident that's fine they're just gonna have to buy a non-resident tag yep um they got to be able to get here yep um a couple two three times a year because we're gonna get together um at least three times three's been about our standard yeah with supplemental um homework e-scouting stuff like that exactly and and then and then the follow-up as well is probably um the same three or Couple four times, times the, the follow-up here um so yeah um if you know anybody if you are somebody uh we have facebook instagram uh email not a grande outdoors at gmail.com um get in touch with us um let us know you're interested and we will get you started in the process we had hoped this year to kind of have a hunter safety course and choose our participants through that we might still be able to make that happen if we got enough people i don't I'm, really foresee that happening this year with the way that the state is with the covid rules yeah. uh, i think we're going to try and put that off another Until year next year yeah simply because they're not even right now they're not doing in, in yeah. person hunter ed learning and this we want it to be a hands-on yeah. kind of camp type of deal yeah so um but yeah get us get us your information we'll get you some applications and you can um hopefully come and join us for a hunt this year absolutely It'd be awesome what else kyle nothing i think we i, I liked ending it on hunt it forward that's always a, a feel good right um it's my favorite thing. Yes. Uh, we we love doing it so much, and I'm glad we talked about it again because oftentimes the daily grind, the day-to-day pushes out of your mind. But now it, sitting it, here talking about it, it it's come back to the forefront of thought, and it's going to be great getting out there and getting it done again. It is. It is. And, you know, we, th- th- like you said, the legislative, the, the legislative session – Took a little bit out of us. It was a beat. Um, I, I I literally felt. I have literally been recovering for the past week and a half since the legislative session ended. Just I felt like I was beat down. Right. Right. Um, Me too. I spent so much time and energy. And and this this is a breath of fresh air. This is right. this is a, a reinvigoration of this is why we're doing it. And I didn't even get we know and we've talked about any, any long time listeners that are that are listening that have listened to most of our podcasts. You know how excited I get about the draw. I get extremely excited about the draw. I didn't even get the time to to do the research and to to just get into the draw. Like of course we got other circumstances that that um kind of hampered the way we put into for the draw um but um 
I didn't even get to get into that. Now I'm starting to get excited. Uh, we've, we put in, we put in for all of our hunts. Um, save that for another podcast, but, um, starting to get excited about draw results. Uh, I know I got a long wait. Um, I'm actually, so I don't know if we want to get into this topic on this one. I'm excited because, and maybe I shouldn't say this. I don't want to. Usually, like, everything kind of hinges on the draw results. Are we going to draw or are we not? Are we going to get to hunt or are Mm -hmm. are we not? I'm excited for the draw results for a couple of reasons. Mm -hmm. One is if we draw, I'm going to be super excited, obviously. Mm Mm-hmm. If we don't draw, I'm at a point in my life that we get to start thinking about maybe looking at going and being a non-resident in another state and hunting another state. Right. Which, which is funny because we are also kind of proponents for non-residents coming here. Um, not lopsided, but no, not having lopsided. an opportunity. Yeah, having an opportunity. I, I, you know. Um, I like that we get a large percentage goes to New Mexico residents. I love the fact that all cow tags go to all public draw cow tags go to New Mexico residents. Um, that that all game commission lands right. New Mexico residents. I like it because it cuts out the argument of we rely on that for food. Yeah, there's your food. Um, so so yeah, I I. I um, don't know where I was going with that. Um, non-residents in other oh, yeah. states. Yeah, but how can you be against non-residents coming to your state, but then be willing to go hunt in another state as a non-resident? Yeah, uh, it's quite hypocritical. It is to me. Uh, uh, you know, uh, we've had conversations about other people who do other things and don't want non-residents coming to New Mexico and hunting, but they're willing to do that to go apply for sheep tags and stuff like that in other States. And to me, that's hypocritical. Yeah. Uh, I mean, to me, do what you want. It's your money. If you want to spend it on a governor's tag or anything like that, have at it. It's your right. But don't tell other people that they can't do it and then go do it yourself. Yeah. It's very hypocritical. And I'm with you. I, w- I would love the opportunity. You know, we've been, we've been toying with the idea. I, I know that you've been kicking the, kicking around the idea of going hunting antelope in Wyoming. We got some friends uh, in Wyoming now. We do. We do. So that's, um, like I said, we're, we're at a, it's, I, this podcast has been so cool and, it, and it's great that we're doing this podcast, talking about this stuff at the beginning of season four, because it's done lots of things for us. Mm-hmm. It's made us better, uh, and more educated in the hunting world, uh, to be able to fight legislation, be able mm-hmm. to actually know what we're talking about. Yep. It's uh, helped us be better hunters because we're more invested in doing it because we have to be better mentors for our hunt for people. But it also has afforded us the opportunity to meet a lot of people. Us. Some some really cool people. Yeah. Um, Start with Paul and Tag. Mm -hmm. You know, one of our first podcasts that we did with – Another organization. Um, the business. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And um, really cool guys. It was really fun getting to sit down with them. 
and we've kept in touch. And that's a sh- and, shout out to Paul and yeah. Tag if you want. But I've been trying to get Paul down here to go hunting with us. I know, right? It'd be great to it'd, it'd be, be great awesome. to get that done. Um, you can bet we're going to rely on him if we happen to go up there, right? And then um, all through the podcast, we met we met this year in two B, two B. We met a couple of good old boys from Wyoming. Mm-hmm. Uh, one was hunting, and the other buddy was just with him, and um, it, it just cool experiences, you know. And, yeah. and we've met we've met a lot of people through through Nanagrande Outdoors, and it's it's awesome. Mm-hmm. And not all of those people share viewpoints, and that's okay. That's okay. Um, but yeah, it, it's been really great, and and I would love the opportunity. I've been kicking around the the idea of going um, coos deer hunting down in uh, Arizona. Yeah. Um, that's kind of what's been on my radar. Um, although after. Getting hooked, plum hooked on antelope. I freaking love antelope. Uh, I might, I might start leaning towards your Wyoming idea. <laughs> but I do want to go hunt coos down in, in Arizona. You and me both. Um, I've got a cousin that that uh, works on some ranches down there, and um, bet he could point us in the right direction. But yeah, I'd, I'd love to do, I'd love to do some non-resident hunting in some other states. It's just um, cool to be a place at a place in your life where you can start looking at that. Yeah, I didn't know. It really I is. didn't. I didn't. I would say five years ago, that was not even on my radar. No, it no. was. It was focused solely on New Mexico. What could I draw in New Mexico? Yep. Um, well, we put in for the same thing. Oh yeah. So we when we when we first started hunting together, we pretty much put in for the same thing. And it's funny, and I've told this story on the podcast, but I'm going to hit it again because. It it really kind of is when, even though me and you have been hunting together, it's really when we became a hunting group, me, you, and Didon. Yeah. Um, you, I wanted to go archery hunting, and I couldn't talk you into putting in for archery with me. Yeah. You were like, nope, not going to do it. And then you ended up putting in for the Valle of Vidal. And, with, drawing it. And, and drawing and drawing and brothers. archery hunting with yeah. your brother. Um, and I gave you some crap about it, but kudos. Uh, and you drew the tag and you were like, hell yeah, this is awesome. And then the next year, um, I told you, all right, you've been archery hunting. Let's do it again. And you said, okay, we'll put in for archery elk. If it's in unit 37 and we do deer restricted muzzleloader. And we drew both those tags. Yeah. And I got Didon to come and put in with us. And so that unit, that that mule deer muzzler hunt was the first hunt that me and you and Didon went on together. Yep. And me and you had hunted. But once we threw Didon into the mix, it changed everything. Changed the dynamic, it, totally. It changed everything. And we become this core of three dudes hunting and we put in every year together and it's so amazing. Um, and I think that is what, another one of the reasons that we love hunt it forward is because we want the rest of the world to experience that. Yeah. It's so much fun. Um, it's, it's just nothing but entertainment. And another thing that we really didn't touch on earlier that, 
that we believe is is kind of our goal to redefine success maybe not trophy but redefine success in hunting you know success is not measured in inches uh of antler and there's so much more to success we harvested one deer in our 2b hunt this year and i even though it was me that harvested it yeah (laughs) um it was it was a success because we were all there yeah massive yeah and so much fun and yeah and i mean we've we've walked away from hunts where none of us got an animal but the success is have we yeah our antelope hunt yeah um but the success is in the the hunt itself the time that we get to spend together out in the woods cutting up dropping your mama jokes um chasing animals and laughing at each other, making fun of each other, helping each other, supporting each other. All of that is huge. And why wouldn't you want to pass that on? Yeah. You know, to your kids, to your friends. Um, And we, we believe wholeheartedly in, in sharing that. So the community can grow, not hoarding it for ourselves. And that to me is what not a grande is. And what Hunt It Forward is. Yep. Good place to end. Absolutely. Thanks for joining. I think that uh, we've got some good stuff coming up. Yes. But most importantly, if you know somebody that's right for the Hunt It Forward uh, initiative, send them our way. Absolutely. All right, man. Thanks for joining. Adios. Adios. Thanks for joining Not a Grande Outdoors Podcast. Come follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. And don't forget about our website, www.notagrandeoutdoors.com. Adios. Adios.